0: Today, the title of the sermon is this, Jesus, man, myth, or Messiah? Man, myth, or Messiah? There's so many people out there that have opinions about who Jesus is and how he came to uh, have that impact that he had. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is and has has been the most influential person to ever walk the planet. Guinness Book of World Records tells us that the Bible has sold over 5 billion copies. The Koran sold about 800 million. Lord of the Rings sold about 150 million. But the Bible has sold 5 billion copies. Uh, The the, uh, Gideons give away a Bible every single second of every single day. Isn't that amazing? And The popularity of the Bible mainly hinges on the life of Christ. Judaism was a fairly localized religion before Jesus. But since Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, the Bible has exploded in popularity. And people are so intrigued by this man, Jesus. Everything changed with the resurrection. Everything changed with the empty tomb. Uh, they even split time in half because of Jesus. Now, before Jesus is uh, before Christ and, you know, BC, and then after is AD, Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Jesus changed everything. Even one of the most well known Bible skeptics and critics, Bart Ehrman, says this about Jesus it says, Jesus existed. And those vocal persons who deny it do so not because they have considered the evidence with the dispassionate eye of the historian, but because they have some other agenda that this denial serves. We're going to talk about some people's different opinions of who Jesus was. And then we're going to look at who we believe he is. was it man, myth, or messiah? Josh McDowell says this about whether the life of Jesus could have been fabricated. He says that a few simple men should in one generation have invented so powerful and appealing a personality, so lofty an ethic, and so inspiring a vision of human brotherhood would be a miracle far more incredible than any recorded in the Gospels. Jesus is not a fairy tale. You know, every year, the Discovery Channel and the History Channel and others produce more and more shows and series about Jesus. Here's just a few. The real face of Jesus. The Bible. Jesus, the lost years. Son of God. Killing Jesus. Finding Jesus. Who was Jesus? The execution of Jesus. The Jesus mysteries. Mysteries. Many of these shows are filled with doubt and error, but the truth is, is there is still a hunger today, 2,000 years after, for knowing more about Jesus and understanding who Jesus was. Rice Brock says this, he says, Christianity started in the city of Jerusalem, three days after Jesus' death, when his body was reported missing from the tomb where it had been buried. Even more mysterious were immediate reports of men and women seeing him alive again, it is this story that has divided history and divides hearts even to this day. Jesus is not a myth. The life de- and death and resurrection of Jesus is the central proof and defense for the Christian faith. Jesus is everything, and Jesus changed everything. Now, there's overwhelming evidence for the existence of God, and we see that. We know that because there's no better explanation for the beginning of space and time, the fine-tuning of the universe, the complexity of life that could not have arisen from natural processes. The reality of moral laws, the inborn need in every man and woman for meaning and purpose and the distinction between humans and animals, all these things are proof that God is who he said he is. And the conclusion is that God is not dead and that is a logical and a rational decision backed up by uh, scientific evidence and philosophical means. We know that God is who he said he is, but the greatest ultimate uh, evidence for the existence of God is the fact that he entered his creation through a man named Jesus Christ, as a man named Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man. And it's great to talk about how God exists, but how much more amazing is it that God stepped into space and time through Jesus Christ? John 1.14 says the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. God became flesh and this is the anchor and hope of our faith. The life death and resurrection of Jesus demonstrated that God exists and gave us a vivid picture of who God is. He is not far away. He is not a hazy picture. If you want to know who God is, you look at who Jesus is. Jesus said in John 14, 9, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He said again in John 10, 30, he said, I and my Father are one. The evidence for a historical Jesus is beyond dispute. And the Bible proves this existence of Jesus. The Bible is perhaps the most preserved, accurate, and reliable historical ancient text that we have today. But maybe you want some proof outside of the Bible. Maybe you want to say, well, we don't want to do circular reasoning, right? We don't want to prove the Bible by the Bible. We actually have a wealth of evidence about Jesus from secular, non-Christian historical documents as well. Let me quickly give you three. The first is this, the Roman historian Tactus in AD 115 wrote about the persecution of Christians under Nero and referenced the importance of Jesus' crucifixion. He says this, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite torture on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, or Christ, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procreator, Pontius Pilatus, or Pontius Pilate. And a mischievous superstition broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in an arrest. Hold up. Even in, let me see here. But even in Rome, there we are, An arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Then, upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted. Mockery of every sort was added to their death. Covered with the skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs, perished, and were nailed to crosses, and were doomed to the flames and burnt to serve as nightly illumination when the daylight had expired. Man, this is obviously someone that hated Christians here, right? But they give us a reliable testimony that Christ lived, was tortured, killed on the cross. And because of this, people began to follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. And they were called Christians. And these Christians pled guilty to following Christ and were willing to die horrible deaths for their beliefs. This is from someone that was outside the church, outside of religion that says these are who Christians were. A Pliny the Younger, a Roman governor of Bithynia, wrote of Jesus' followers and an early church service where they proclaimed the deity of Christ. This is what he said. He said, they were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God and bound themselves by a solemn oath, not to wicked deed, but never to commit any fraud, theft, Adultery, never to falsify their words, nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up. After which, it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food. Amen, right there, right? Uh, uh, But food of an ordinary and innocent kind. Wouldn't you have loved to be in that worship service? We're talking about that 2,000 years later. And a non-Christian was dumbfounded by these Christians uh, worshiping Christ as if he were a god. Well, how would I ask myself this question when I I look at this text? How would non-Christians look at our worship and the way that we uh, sing and the way that we gather and the way that we work and the deeds that we do? Do they look at us as if we serve Jesus as a God? Does our face show that we believe that Jesus is God? Are people dumbfounded by the oath that we have given not to defraud people or to commit adultery or to uh, steal or to do the things that we said that we would do? Is the way that we live a evidence for the risen Jesus? And this secular source even says that they ate together. They fellowshiped with one another. They were a family. Are you connected with a church family? Today's Easter and it's often the time when people uh, get ...a little bit more excited about church maybe than they are the rest of the time of year. But I'm here to tell you today that if you don't have a church family... ...you are meant to have a church family. You cannot walk this Christian life alone. And we see in the early church that they ate together. They fellowshiped together. Do you love hanging out with other Christians? Are Christians your best friends... I know we can't do this right now, you know, obviously we can't gather right now, but this is why we have this thing called fellowship, and I think now we're realizing more than ever that we need it, and that's why we endeavor to grow together and to gather together and to give together, because we don't really fit in anywhere else, so we've got to have each other. Here's the last one. A third century historian, Julius Africanus, quoted a first century historian, Thallus, And Thallus wrote about the darkness that occurred at the time of the crucifixion. He said, "...on the whole world there was pressed a most fearful darkness, and the rocks were rent by an earthquake. Many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. This darkness appeared to me without reason, an eclipse of the sun. An eclipse cannot happen at any other time but the interval between the first day of the new moon and the last of the old." how then should an eclipse be supposed to happen when the moon is almost diametrically opposed to the sun so why do we read this we read that because now we have three sources among many other sources of non-christian historians that gave us undeniable proof of christ and the early church But we don't even have to go outside the Bible. Why? Because the Bible is the most reliable historical document that we have. There are tens of thousands of ancient texts that we can rely on, copies of the Bible from all over the world. It is reliable. Now, some people would say that, that the Bible's only supporter is itself. But they forget that the Bible is not one book. The Bible is not written by one man like the Koran or the Book of Mormon. This is 40 authors over thousands of years who separately wrote pieces of Scripture through inspiration of God. And the fact that these 66 books agree with each other without error is nothing short of a miracle ordained by God. But critics of Jesus still exist. And they try to compare Jesus to pagan deities, ancient deities like Horus of Egypt or Mithras of Persia. And they say that this legend of Jesus was derived from these other uh, ancient quote-unquote deities, these mythical gods. But when you look at them, they do not compare even uh, hold a candle to who Jesus was. They even tried to compare Jesus to people like Marilyn Monroe and JFK or Elvis, and that that maybe Jesus' legend grew over time to mythical proportions. But Jesus even uh, addressed these type of claims in Matthew 16, 13. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? And they, they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say? that I am Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said blessed are you Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven the question that Jesus asked the disciples is the question that each and every one of us have to answer for ourselves who do you say that Jesus is Jesus is not a myth. Jesus is not just a man. And the fact is that any reliable scholar, biblical and non-biblical, believe that these following things happen. That Jesus lived approximately 2,000 years ago. Jesus died by Roman crucifixion. He was buried most likely in a private tomb. Soon afterwards, the disciples were discouraged, bereaved, and despondent, having lost all hope. Jesus' tomb was found empty very soon after his burial. The disciples encountered what they believed was a risen Christ. And due to that experience, the disciples' lives were thoroughly transformed. And now they were willing even to die for this person that they had abandoned only a few days before. The proclamation of Christ's resurrection took place very early in the beginning of the church history... And the disciples' public testimony and preaching of the resurrection took place in the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus had been crucified and buried shortly there before. Why am I telling you this stuff? I'm telling you because you have felt the pressure to say, well, maybe this all isn't what I think it is. Maybe this man called Jesus is just a man, and you're going to feel the pressure from culture, you're going to feel the pressure from college professors, you're going to feel the pressure from people at work. Why do you worship Jesus as as if he was a God? Because he is, and he's risen. And the one that can die and raise himself from the dead, I'm with that guy. Almost every respectable scholar believes those facts that we just gave. And the only plausible explanation is that Jesus actually died, rose from the grave, Because how else could Christianity have started in the very place that it would have been so easy to disprove? Sure, maybe thousands of miles away they could have still worshipped Jesus. But these people saw him die. They saw him beat. They saw him hanging on a cross. They saw him buried. And they had given up on Christ. They had turned their backs on him. And then they went back to their own old lives. But then they saw an empty tomb. Then they saw the risen Savior. Then they saw the ascension of Christ to heaven. And at one point, 500 people at the same time saw a risen Jesus. And they immediately were emboldened to give up everything to tell others about Christ and even to die for him. I've never heard of two people having the same hallucination at the same time, but I How much even more amazing is it that 500 people saw them at once? 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead. Two eyewitnesses are enough to commit, uh, to convict a murderer. How much more can we believe the eyewitness account of 500 people? And when the New Testament was written, many of these people were still alive and were interviewed by Paul to get information from them. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 4, it says that he was buried, Jesus, and that he was raised on the third day according with scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, he appeared to Peter, then to the disciples, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. It would have been so easy to disprove this risen Christ in the very place that all of this had happened. But the empty tomb changed everything. Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. Waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to claim. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Death cannot keep its prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Jesus is not just a man, he is not a myth. Jesus is the Messiah. Now the word Messiah means anointed one. Because Jesus was set apart to be the king of kings and he had a mission. That mission was the gospel. It was fulfilled on the cross and it was satisfied with the empty tomb. Jesus is alive today and he died for you. He paid your sins. So here's the question. Has it changed you? Has it changed you? When the early Christians saw a risen Jesus from the dead after seeing him beaten and bloodied and almost unrecognizable, that changed them forever. Has it changed you? They went after that and told everyone that they could. They left their homes to tell the world that Jesus was alive and that he wanted to pay the debt for their sin and that there was hope Have you done that? The early Christians worshiped Jesus as if he were a god. Do you really believe that? Do you worship him that way? The early Christians loved being around other Christians... ...and they understood the importance of the church. Do you? The early Christians made promises to God... ...to be holy and to be different... ...and to not follow the ways of the world... ...and the things that were just acceptable to culture... And then they followed through with those things. Have you? See, you may believe that Jesus rose from the grave, but has it changed you? The greatest proof of Jesus being the Messiah is a personal relationship with him. John 17, two through three says, to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God wants you to know him. It's not just a a thing to uh, check off, it's not just some facts to understand. God wants you to know him. He wants to be known by you, He wants you to draw near to him and he did everything that it took to make that happen and now it's your choice god will not force himself on you will you take steps towards god the bible says draw near to me and i will draw near to you have you put your faith and hope in the risen savior Who do you say he is? Do your actions back up who you say he is? Because the empty tomb changed everything. Has it changed you? Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. I know this is a little bit strange in your living room. But we're still a church and we're going to do things together. And one of those things we're going to do together is going to pray. We're going to reflect We just talked about who Jesus is. We talked about some people outside of the Bible that understood that whether or not they believed Jesus was who he said he was, that there were people called Christians who believed it and that they uh, showed it through their actions and that they were willing to die for it. Now, there's a good chance that God's not going to ask you to die for your Christianity. Maybe someday that would happen. Maybe you would face something like that. But the chances are is not that you're going to have to die for Christianity, die for Christ, for Jesus in the name of Christ. The thing that you're going to have to decide is whether or not you're going to live for Him. As they play, Let's let this soak on our hearts. Let these thoughts just wash over us. Who do I say he is? And do my actions support that I believe in a risen Savior that paid for my sins? You continue to pray and sing out.